In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight is Psalm 117. This psalm has no title, and also it is the shortest psalm, but one of the greatest in its expression of praise, as we will explain. And the occasion of this psalm maybe was written after the restoration of Israel from the exile. Or maybe another occasion that reflects the goodness of God toward his people. Because this psalm celebrates redemption from captivity. Also, it prophesies about the grand redemption of the whole world from the captivity of Satan by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That's why it is a messianic psalm, which means it prophesies about the Messiah. This psalm is quoted by St. Paul in the New Testament when he spoke about the work of our Lord Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 15, especially about the conversion of Gentiles to Christianity and accepting the Gentiles into the family of God. St. Paul quoted the psalm in Romans 15 verse 9 to prove that the Gentiles should glorify God for his mercy, that he opened the door of salvation for the Gentiles and now they are part of the family of God. And also prophesies of the calling of the Gentiles by the preaching of the gospel. When the apostles went not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles to preach the gospel. And St. Paul applied this psalm in Romans chapter 15, verse 11. This is the shortest psalm, and Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Both psalms, 117 and 119, are called the great psalms. Why? Because both psalms confirm the fact of the value of worship. Not measured by its length, this psalm is the shortest one, only two verses, and Psalm 119 is the longest. So it has nothing to do by the time or the length of prayer, but the depth and the spiritual warmth of prayer. The church prays this psalm at the beginning of the 11th hour of the Agbeya. That's the first psalm in the 11th hour of the Agbeya. And also we chanted as a long hymn called the Ethnostiro before the Vespers praises. And why we, we chanted in Vespers and in the 11th hour of the Agbeya? Because it refers to the establishing of the church at the fullness of the time and opening up the gate of faith before the Gentiles. Because the Gentiles are those who came in the 11th hour. You know the parable of the 11th hour? People came in the first hour, second, third hour, sixth hour. So some people came in the 11th hour. The Gentiles actually represented these people, or the 11th hour workers represent the Gentiles. That's why we pray it in the 11th hour of the Agbeya, and also the 11th hour when the took down the body of Christ from the cross, and now the gates of paradise are opened. 
mean also the gate of paradise is opened not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. So this psalm simply urges all the people to praise God because God has abundantly blessed us. As I told you, it's only two verses. Verse 1, Gentiles are called to praise God. Gentiles are the non-Jewish people. Any person who is not Jewish is called Gentile. And verse 2, praising God for his mercy and truth. Verse 1, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you Gentiles, Lord him, all you peoples. The psalmist addresses the Holy Church and exhorts the Church to praise God, Jews and Gentiles. Also, in Amin Ispatir, this verse is chanted by the deacon in the altar. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, Lord him, all you peoples. In Psalm 116, called only Israel to praise God, but here in 117 calls all the Gentiles to praise God, which means Israel is not only those the descendant of Jacob, but the spiritual Israel are all the children of Abraham in faith. Those who are of the faith of Abraham are the true Israel. Israel in a spiritual meaning, not in literal meaning. As we read in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, in Abraham, all the peoples of the world were to be blessed. God is not the God of Israel only, but God is God of all people, and his praise should be celebrated not by one nation, but by all the nations. The time would come when the barrier between the Jews and Gentiles will be broken down, as St. Paul explained in Ephesians chapter 2, how God reconciled the Jews with the Gentiles in the cross, and both of them he reconciled with God the Father. When all the nations of the earth unite in worship of the same God. Some suggest that people refer to the Jewish people when he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, Lord him, all you peoples. So Gentiles are the Gentiles, people are the Jews. But when we read Romans chapter 15, verse 11, St. Paul referred to the word people here to mean the Gentiles, all the nations, not only the Jews. Lord him. What is the difference between sing or praise him and Lord him? The word Lord him doesn't mean only to sing or to praise, but to sing aloud. Lord him all people. So it conveys the idea that God should be praised with a voice loud even for everyone to hear. That's why after the deacon says, Lord him all people, what is the response of the congregation? Zuxabatri, glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. The deacon says to the people, Lord him all you people. Then in response we say, glory to the Father and we praise the Holy Trinity. And every single person in the church should participate in this singing to praise God and to make his praise actually heard by every one. Also, Lord him means to say praiseworthy things about God. 
praises that befitting his glory, praises that befitting his majesty. So the psalmist called upon all people to praise God intelligently, and he provided reasons why God is worthy of worship. As we explained, there are six psalms called Egyptian Halil Psalms. These psalms are from 113 to 118. Why they are called Egyptian? Because they celebrate the exodus from the land of Egypt. That's why all Israel used to chant these six psalms on the night of Passover. When they eat the Passover lamb, they praise these six psalms. Because the Lord Jesus Christ ate the Passover on Thursday before his crucifixion on Friday, as we read in Matthew 26:30 and Mark 4:26, they praised. So what type of praise they chanted these six psalms? So the Lord Jesus Christ chanted this psalm 117 on Thursday on the night of his crucifixion. Which means when the Lord chanted this psalm on Thursday, Covenant Thursday, all people, including the Gentiles, were in his mind because he's going to offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross, not only for Israel, but for all the people, including the Gentiles. And through his work on the cross and victory over death at the empty tomb when he rose from the dead, God would call a people to himself from every tribe and tongue. We became one people, although we are from every tribe and every tongue. Our understanding of this psalm is apostolic, means the teaching of St. Paul about this psalm. Because, as I told you, St. Paul quoted this verse when he explained how the Gentiles and the Jews are united together in one church. Some old commentator believed the first part of this prophecy began to be fulfilled when the wise men came with their gift to Bethlehem. As you know, when the Lord was born, we have the shepherd who were Jewish, came and worshipped God. And also the wise men who were Gentiles came and worshipped God. Even from the time of his birth, we can see how both the Jews and the Gentiles participated together in celebrating his birth and glorifying God at the birth of the Messiah. The rabbinical interpretation of the psalm is completely in according to the Christian view, meaning they know when the Messiah will come, the Gentiles will believe in Christ, in the Messiah, and the Gentiles and the Jews became one church, the church of the Messiah. As a famous rabbi comments, this psalm consists of but two verses and belong to the days of Messiah. And by making it consist of two verses only, the psalmist implies that all nations shall be put in two classes. So he said two verses mean two classes, Israel and the Gentiles. But both together will worship God. St. John Chrysostom says, this psalm calls on not only one or two or three nations, 
but all land and sea. That's what actually happened when the coming of Christ shone forth. When Christ was born and was crucified, all the world worshipped God. Then he mentions also the cause of their saving. That is, was not their own good deeds. God saved us not because we are worthy or we deserve it. God saved us not because of our merits, but not our own good deeds that they were saved. Not from their life and confidence, but we are saved because of his loving kindness alone. So God saved us because of his mercy and his loving kindness. That's why in verse 2 he said, Why we praise the Lord? Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him, all your people. Why? For his merciful kindness is great toward us. God saved us not because of our good deeds or our merits, but because of his merciful kindness. His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. And the last three words, praise the Lord, that is hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah means praise. Ya, Yahweh, Jehovah. So hallelujah means praise Jehovah, praise Yahweh, praise the Lord. If one to translate hallelujah will be praise the Lord. That's the meaning of hallelujah. So the reason the psalmist gives for praising God, why he is calling all the world to praise God, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. By the coming of the Messiah to the Jews and the Gentiles, this in itself is the work of his merciful kindness. Without God's mercy, there would be no salvation for us. If God is not merciful, we will not be saved. Salvation rests on this truth. The truth that God is kind, is merciful, is loving. And God cannot deny his own character. He is a merciful God. He is a compassionate God. He is a kind God. That's why he saved us. When he said the truth of the Lord endures, which truth? The truth that God is kind. The truth that God is merciful. The truth that God is compassionate. And God cannot deny himself. It is not truth at the expense of mercy. Many people think that mercy and truth are contradicting with each other. But as the psalmist said, truth and mercy kissed each other. The mercy of God is full of truth, and the truth of God is full of mercy. You cannot separate the truth from mercy. If the truth is separated from the mercy, then we wouldn't have any hope. And also, it would mean God is denying his own character as a merciful God, as a compassionate God. That's why you cannot separate the truth from the mercies. Kindness of God is great. It is not great in number or bulk, but it's great in its power. And his kindness is toward us. The psalmist, when he said toward us, had in mind not only Israel, but all the people, as he mentioned in verse 1. So God is to be praised not only for his merciful kindness, but also for his truth. 
Because as I told you, you cannot separate his mercy from his truth. His ever enduring truth means what? He said his truth endures forever. What does it mean? That his truth is never ending. Means God will never change in his love and in his goodness toward us. Who is the truth? The truth is the incarnated Son of God. As the Lord himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That truth came by Jesus Christ. And the word of God also is the truth. And the word of God endures forever. As the Lord himself said in Matthew 24, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So the truth is Jesus himself. The truth is the word of God. And the truth is the church. That's why God said about the church, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. St. Paul called the church the foundation and the pillar of truth. Because inside the church, we will learn about the true God. Only in the church, we will know who the true God is. And also the truth is his kingdom. And his kingdom will be established. And his kingdom shall have no end, as we say in the creed. And as we read in Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So when he said the truth of the Lord endures forever, the truth is God himself, his word, his church, and his kingdom. The truth also, all that God has said, all his declaration, all his promises, all his assurance of mercy, all his warning, everything God uttered is absolutely true. The faithfulness of God to his promises, not only made to the Jewish fathers concerning the Messiah and redemption by him, but these promises to everyone, to the Gentiles and to the Jews. That's why he concluded the psalm by Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All people are called to say Hallelujah, praise the Lord. In God's worship, it is not always necessary to be long. As I told you, this psalm is only two verses, but very deep, very deep in its meaning. Few words sometimes say what is sufficient. And this short psalm gave us to understand this principle. As St. Paul said, five words with understanding better than 10,000 words without understanding. This actually concludes Psalm 117. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.